0: Welcome, hi, hello, g'day, welcome back to the Before I Go podcast, a place where we get to share the things that we want to say but are too afraid to. So let's say them before it's too late. Alright, last episode I spoke about, uh, I guess a few different non-sequential steps in awakening that I've seen in other people. And uh, look, one of those was acceptance and understanding. And today I wanna talk about grace. And there are some songs that I feel may have been born of kindness, uh, that flowed into religion, that have also then flowed back out of the small pond of religion. And one of those is Amazing Grace. And when I hear that song, I to this day am still stirred more so than any other hymn or religious you know, song that has p- crossed my path. There's something about Amazing Grace that gets up and outside of the the boxes of belonging to just one or two people or one way of believing. And it, it is for everyone. There is something amazing about grace. So I talked about uh, understanding and acceptance uh, last time I was recording. I don't even know what episode that will be because they, they chop and change <laughs> at my own will. But grace and understanding... Um, there is this thing when we accept who we are that is such a relief. And all of us have at some stage this fearful, imprisoning illusion that there are parts of who we are that need to be kept hidden from others and even hidden from ourselves that lurk in the dark, danky shadows of some would say our soul or our mind or our psyche. But there's this this part of who we are that we feel ashamed to expose and reveal to others until we've reformed it and machined it into something a little more palpable and acceptable. And that is not congruent with grace as I have come to understand it and experience it. What I say is bring that stuff to the light. Bring all that you are right up to the torch of truth and openness and exposed light. And if it is true, it will hold. But in my experience, the the grace of God and the light that that is burns away all of the illusions that we've held on to so tightly that keep us trapped. Before I even... uh, Well, this is going back 20 or 30 odd years now, I was exposed to this beautiful phrase, Sawubona, that the Zulu tribes in Africa use to greet one another. And in one of the first workshops I ever ran when I changed to wanting to help people for a living as my my vocation, I uh, I mentioned Sawubona and it is plugging into the core of each of us an acceptance and this desire to be seen and loved and accepted for who we are. And I understand that sawubona literally translates into, I see you, you are important to me, and I value you. Can you imagine if those of us who weren't raised in an African Zulu culture adopted that desire to know and see another human being and to acknowledge their presence and their worth instead of just passing them by like ships in the night. I see you, you are important to me and I value you. And as I I delved a little bit deeper into Sawabona, I I came to understand there's this, this deeper side of it that also says, until I acknowledge your existence, I do not exist and the grace that you extend me in acknowledging my existence is necessary for me in order to exist. There's so much beautiful poetry and connection and inseparability that comes with us saying, I see you for who you are and I love you that way. That is the heart of unconditional love, not just some greeting. Until I see you, I do not exist. So grace is a really difficult thing for the ego to accept. <laughs> um, particularly for those of us who have a, a perfectionistic streak in us. I've got a, a heck of it. a lot of perfectionism in me that I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I should know by now with how much I've failed that it's a, a foolish pursuit to try and be perfect. So grace. Uh, it is hard for the ego to accept because the ego or our false self says I have worked so hard, you know, I have machined and reformed and suffered my way through all of these experiences, you know, I've met all of the criteria of the outside world that say I'm good enough, right? I've continued to grow and build and elevate and extend and expand and all of this leveling up rhetoric that is imbued in so much that we of what we do in the systems we're in that say come on keep climbing eventually one day you're going to reach the top all right all of this weight of never quite good enough now it's toxic man like the even this phrase you're only as good as your last gig far out that is hard to live up to. I saw it in the business world, right? You could hit this budget and then almost as soon as you had reached the target, the overwhelming tide of now on to the next thing again and the next level. It's relentless. Uh, to stop and take a breath and to just love what is is really hard. And grace is that presence that ever enduringly whispers to us, you are enough as you are, not as you think you need to be or you should be. And that's really hard for the ego to accept as I as I meant and it, it's not just a grace for the woe is me thing. you know We hear that a lot about being kind to yourself and extending yourself grace. Think of it from the other side of the ego, right? Listen to this, right? The ego says, when grace is offered and extended to oneself or another, you mean after all of my hard work and my suffering, all I've sacrificed? Me, 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 me. Do you mean to tell me that despite my success and power, Despite all of my personal victories and triumphs, despite my apparent claim to self-actualization and my ability to take care of myself so that nobody else has to, you mean despite the clear evidence in my life that I have been a better and superior human to others, that you are still Kind enough to extend me the grace that says I cannot work my way through to love and acceptance? You mean, despite all of my efforts to prove myself, I was loved as I am the whole time? That's really hard to take if you buy into the message that you can somehow do or work your way through to so the grace of life itself. You mean I don't have to believe or do or learn anything? Yeah, yeah, that's really hard to accept if you are operating from an idea of self. And that's not who we are, that's ego. In some of the work I do, I I see the Enneagram as a useful tool. I might talk about it at some stage but I don't really want, well it's a fearful thought I have. I don't want people to become dependent on or think they're dependent upon some sort of diagnostic tool to tell them who they are. The Enneagram is beautiful, it's the opposite of that. It, It shows you and illuminates the depth of the ego or the false sense we've created and then invites us to step outside of that in order to acknowledge other people's existence and to connect with others. What I do see happen with any profiling tools like the Enneagram is people find their type and then entrench into it and that just strengthens the ego. So I know I've taken a segue talking about the Enneagram here but I'm mentioning this not to box people in but to reference the Enneagram is a really great tool for illuminating the ego that we try and keep hidden from ourselves, that we think we are. So I work with perfectionists, which is a label. I don't see them as perfectionists. They'll tell you that's what they think they are. They've picked up some message that they have to somehow reform and improve their way through to finally accepting the grace of love and kindness of other people. Uh, And that's heavy to carry. I know what that's like. You have to be a good boy or girl, right? Such a toxic message. This is what you need to do in order to be okay and be loved and to be a good human being, you be a good boy or girl, right? And that is really, really hard to live into all the time when fundamentally it's through our shortcomings that grace is extended to us not our triumphs. So there's a song that was written by a band called Sleeping At Last called One, numerically the number one. Uh, Have a listen to it. If any small bit of you winces when I suggest that you may be perfectionistic or trying to somehow attain grace, have a listen to this song called One by Sleeping At Last. I'll, I'll just read out a few of the words because when this hits home and goes beyond the level of thinking and belief and talk to the heart and soul of those who so desperately are trying to work their way to grace, I see it and it just shatters so much of this heaviness. These are part of the lyric. It says, but the list goes on forever of all the ways I could be better in my mind as if I could earn God's favor given time. Or at least, congratulations. Now, I have learned my lesson. The price of this so-called perfection is everything. I've spent my whole life searching desperately to find out that grace requires nothing of me. Whoa, I've spent my whole life searching desperately to find out that grace requires nothing of me. That is really, really hard to take if you have built a story on you, that you live by that your worthiness is somehow the pursuit of grace it's not not about being worthy or good enough there's a a quote by or a poem by Rumi that just hits me at some sort of level thank goodness for this rumi has this quote that gets us up and out of this idea of good and bad or right and wrong. It says, Out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about, ideas, language, even the phrase, each other, doesn't make any sense out beyond the ideas of right doing and wrong doing. I love it. I can keep coming back to that over and over again and it just... Mm. There's a another quote I want to read you on this theme of grace um, because grace is not beholden to religion, but in my experience, the more people I work with that have come from a religious upbringing have some challenge around their beliefs of what grace entails and what they need to believe in order to receive this grace. So a quote by Richard Rohr um, from his, his book, The Enneagram, If you listen below this cacophony of beliefs and ideas in your head and we try and get underneath the smallness of our thinking, you're going to hear something much bigger. And this is what Raw says, so how do we try to hear this deeper voice? When God speaks, it is first of all profoundly consoling and as a result, demanding. Anybody who has walked long with God knows this. There are two utterly different forms of religion. One believes that God will love me if I change. The other believes that God loves me so that I can change. The first is the most common. The second follows upon an experience of personal indwelling and personal love. Ideas inform us, but love forms us in an intrinsic and lasting way. God is always willing to wait for the lasting transformations brought about by love. God must be very, very patient, surely with history but also with individuals. Most of us want results that are practical and immediate. I want to earn my way to grace now, which is why I'm working so hard." You know, this, this just talks to me about, He hasn't mentioned the word grace at all, but it's in that part, right? One The different forms of religion. One believes that God will love me if I change. The last episode or so ago, I talked about the if-then model of happiness or called the if-then model of salvation or the if-then model of truth or the if-then model, insert whatever you want, right? It's the same stuff. One form of a religion believes that God will love me if I change, that I have to somehow through my own efforts become good enough and worthy enough of love from another human being or from, from whatever you think God is. And that's the most common. And that's so harmful, right? The second follows upon a personal indwelling of God. This aha moment that you are and of God inside you. The love of the universe has chosen to set up home inside you and inside the incredible presence and life of every other human being if we can just listen to that deeper voice and get outside these beliefs. One form of religion believes that God will love me if I change. The other believes that God loves me so that I can change. To shift it out of this religious context, substitute God for love or creation or energy or whatever it is. There is already a presence in and of you that gives you what you need to be able to let go of your ideas of who you are and what you're capable of and shift you into the deeper knowing of your creative potential, your capacity to create and be a home of love. It's amazing. It's really amazing. So, grace, right? It doesn't require anything of us. Grace is nothing more than an invitation to know that you are already enough. And then you're going to want to do something with that. You're probably going to want to give it away to other people. You're probably going to want to remind other people that that's what's going on or point them. You can't give it away, right? You can't give away something that is bigger than you. Just love who you are, accept that that you are loved, right? That's what's so amazing about grace. You can't earn it, you can't own it, you can't bottle it up, you can't write about it. (laughs) I can't even talk about it. Because when I talk about it, it's not it. If you think it's out there somewhere, it's not. That'll do. That's enough. That's what Grace said. So this is enough. I love you. I really do. Thanks so much for listening and sharing this space with me. I really, really hope this has served you well and it continues to do so for years to come. I love helping others. So if you would like to experience the power of creating together, please reach out to me. I'm here to help. And if you want to be on the podcast and leave a legacy, check out the contact details on my website, lyndonrochford.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'd love to hear your story before I go. Wishing you so much love from the inside out. I'll see you soon.